Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the late-breaking F1 podcast. Looking ahead to the Austrian Grand Prix this weekend, the second consecutive race that will be held at uh, the Red Bull Ring, of course. Sam, I mean, you must be you must be devastated that we're not actually doing two races at Paul Richard, right? I mean, if you had said to me, Sam, you can get a copy and paste race of Paul Richard for this season and this season only, I'd have, I'd have taken your bloody ears off and gone, yes, please, thank you very much. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with those ears, but I'll have that second race. I'm really hoping that the changing tyre compounds make this second Austrian Grand Prix a bit spicy, or we get a downpour. Because if we have another one like we did last weekend, then it's going to be a bit of a snooze fest. A double weekend snooze fest is not what the doctor ordered, thank you. <laughs> what did the doctor order, Sam? It's, well, both his ears back on his head, I imagine. I mean, yeah, uh, I would be surprised if we had another. Austria doesn't tend to do dull, dull races, so I'm confident in, in, in the track, in the, in the climate... I've seen rain predicted again this weekend. Probably won't happen until after rain at Hungary. Well, it, I think it's always raining at Hungary now. Poor, poor Hungarians there around Budapest, just soaked all the time. <laughs> well, it brings me great comfort that you've predicted this to be a good race because you did the same last weekend, and we saw how that turned out. So, <laughs> th- thank you for that, Harry. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. Uh, ben Hocking, Sam Sage and Harry Eid, of course, here with you for the next hour or so as we look ahead to the race. Firstly, just to say, um, you'd have heard this a couple of times from our last few podcasts, but we do have a survey out there. Um, just getting your thoughts on the podcast overall, what you like, uh, what you might think can be improved. 
just takes a couple of minutes of your time if you haven't done so already we'll leave the link in the description of this helps us out massively um, and we'll be closing it sort of the end of the end of the race uh, this weekend so uh, a bit of a last chance to get your thoughts in there but thank you to everyone who has already uh, filled that out it's really helpful and we appreciate your time on that looking ahead to the podcast today Fernando Alonso has been speaking about the Q2 tyre rule and whether that is fair or not. We'll be discussing whether we think it is relevant for today's Formula 1. We're going to be looking at the top 10 power rankings as supplied by F1 through the first eight races of the season. And we'll be looking at our list and seeing seeing whether it uh, what we agree with and what we don't agree with. And we'll also be playing F1 back and forth. But first of all, we're going to be looking at the race heading up this weekend. So Max Verstappen took a dominant win last weekend. The tyres are changing. Uh, we've got softer compounds available, uh, but it is, of course, the same circuit. So Sam, given how good Verstappen was last time out, how confident as a percentage are you that Verstappen is going to take the victory again? Well, if I'm going to put on my statish, statitish, statistician, stat, how, how do you say that word? I mean, that's that's not a good start for your, for your hat no, wearing, is not, it? Not no, great. I mean, you can see how small the hat is, folks. It, it hasn't been worn <laughs> for a long time. Um, English is hard, words are even more hard. Um, if I'm going to put on that hat that makes me talk about numbers and analytics, um, you'd like to think that variables are small for a change. Realistically, if the weather is dry... Um, the track is exactly the same. The drivers are all the same. The only difference there being so is the tyre compounds, which have all shifted only one to the left. If you're unaware, folks, if you're new to Formula 1, we go into every single race and we have five different t- compounds of tyre. The C1, C2, C3, C4, C5. And essentially, um, Pirelli and the FIA can pick three of those in a row. So you'd have C1, C2, C3, C2, C3, C4, C3, C4, C5. That's fun. Say that drunk. Um... We're in the dizzy. softest. Go on, Harry, what? I feel dizzy after that. Well, let's have two pints and do it again, shall we? Um, <laughs> we've gone to the softest three compounds, whereas last time out, folks, were at the middle three. And I believe the softest three are C1, C2, C3. Unless all around, it's actually C5, C4, C3. I don't know how they do it. C5's um, the softest. Why? Why? Why would you not start at the softest? Stupid Pirelli, man. C5, C4, C3 is where we're at. I've said C a lot. And basically, in your minds, for any beginners, I've made this way more confusing than it needs to be. Um, Everyone's lost. (laughs) I'll be the only person at Austria this weekend because I don't know how to get there. Basically, folks, it's all got softer. The the hard tyre for for last weekend is the medium tyre for this weekend. So realistically, Max Verstappen should be completely fine. Chances of losing 15, 16 seconds over Lewis Hamilton pretty damn small but it's going to be interesting to see how that Red Bull manages the softest compound of tyre it's going to be interesting to see if the, the heat is different the Mercedes works differently in different heats it performs better usually in much cooler track temperatures um, but yeah I mean overall after the world's most complex explanation on tyre strategy I'd like to think it's going to be pretty much the same there you go we got there we, d- we did get there we did get there there were plenty of Plenty of C's and plenty of numbers in there, but did you actually give a percentage as to how? <laughs> <you are? laughs> uh, I'm going to say chances of the same result or Max being as successful about 85. percent Pretty confident then. Pretty confident. Yeah. Harry, do you do you share that? I, I, I'm going to go for a little bit less. I think um, 
as we as already mentioned, we had a fairly uneventful race it last weekend, and there I think oh, oh, Sam's you know very eloquently mentioned the softer tire compounds. Um, that what that's one variable, obviously, and we saw how a two stop. It was on the verge of working with Perez, so theoretically, a soft compound should mean that two stops will be more viable this race, and you know that's another very vari variable to throw into the mix. We had no safety car, and fairly unusual for 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 Austria, I think, but um, that could happen this race. The weather, so I wouldn't want to place as high as eighty-five percent. I'll go for more seventy because the pace that Verstappen had was still ridiculous, um, even without Hamilton stopping. He still was getting on to 15 seconds clear of clear of him by the by the end of the race so um yeah i think he's def obviously you'd have to say he's the favorite but i think there are a lot of things that could still happen this weekend that have happened in the past at, at the uh red bull ring that we didn't see last weekend so i wouldn't want to i wouldn't want to put all my uh all my eggs in one verstappen basket <laughs> that's a, that's a, an interesting analogy um i'll give you that yeah it, it's tough to it's tough to put an exact percentage on this obviously because you can never account for some things that happen in motorsport um you know you'll get freak dnfs you'll get incidents that you aren't expecting and in hamilton's case i'm sure he's wishing uh some rain and you know that is still a possibility so all of those factors mean it's very difficult to be 100 percent confident that a certain driver is going to take victory and we do have the tire compounds going softer as sam so eloquently put putting that all together I would still say that I'm fairly confident Verstappen's going to win here. There, you know, it is still the same circuit, and I don't think the tyres going softer is going to affect much. Just off the cover, I don't think it is. So I've got eighty percent uh, in terms of confidence here. If we look at last weekend and how dominant it was, we we mentioned this on the review podcast. We're we're eight races into the season, and we've seen it go back and forth. Spoiler for later, I guess. Um, <laughs> we've been going back and forth in terms of dominance between the Mercedes uh, and, and between, you know, really Verstappen and Hamilton rather than the teams. We've seen them have advantages at different circuits, but it's been fairly close all the way. Bahrain went down to the end. Paul Ricard came down to the end. Spain was separated by a few laps. This race at Austria last time out was the only one for me, apart from Imola, which you could argue was, was rain-affected. If you take that out of the equation, this was the only it was the only dry, dominant performance by one against the other. Verstappen won it an absolute canter. And and I think realistically, you know, the the pit stop that Hamilton took at the end, you could say flattered the result slightly in that it wasn't fifteen seconds, it ended up being like a forty second advantage that Verstappen had. Realistically, I actually think Verstappen had a lot left in his locker that he didn't end up using when he got into a safe zone of he knows where he can't get undercut and he knows he's in no immediate danger from Hamilton I think I'm not going to say he completely put his foot off the gas but at the same time I don't think he was I don't think he pushed that car to its limits throughout that Grand Prix which is fairly worrying if you're Mercedes I think realistically the one stop and the two stop strategy is viable this weekend we saw Lando Norris as an example you know he used he used the soft tyres last race um, and then, you know, he, he was able to one stop absolutely fine. So theoretically, if the guys at the top are able to get through on the medium tyre this weekend, which will be the same as last weekend soft, they should be able to one stop in the same way that Norris did. 
at the same time, you bring up a good point, Harry, that Perez very nearly pulled off the two-stop strategy against Valtteri Bottas. With softer tyre compounds, you would you would think that becomes not only viable. I actually think it's going to be the preferred strategy. We'll see. We'll see whether both teams agree on that. We'll see if they differ. I think that's probably the the ultimate. What we want is the two teams to go against each other in terms of thinking one stop versus two stop. I do have an instinct that the two stop is going to be better. But ultimately, if Verstappen holds the advantage that he had last time out, it doesn't matter. Because if he can get outside of that undercut window, which he was able to do really comfortably, it doesn't matter if Hamilton goes to a two-stop strategy because he can respond the next lap knowing that he's not going to be undercut. If he's got a five-second, ten-second advantage, he can he can respond to Hamilton. He doesn't need to act first in that scenario. So I think the tyres aren't actually going to affect this negatively for Verstappen and Red Bull. I think even though Verstappen is a wonderful driver in the wet, it's actually the rain that that they'll not want here because they know they can probably win this in dry conditions. Hamilton will fancy it if it's uh, if it's wet conditions. I, I'm 80% confident that Verstappen will take this. And just Oops. to say as well, interesting fact, Statman coming up. Statman. So you were obviously very eloquently, Sam, saying about C1, <laughs> C2, C3, C4, C5. Again, thank the you. The range of compounds. Through this season so far, if we were to look at Mercedes' three wins, or sorry, Valtteri, very specifically Hamilton's three wins this season, Bahrain was one of them. That was very, very close. That went right down to the wire. It wasn't necessarily a, you know, it, it wasn't a, a definitive win. If we look at the other two, they were a bit more convincing. Spain and Portugal. They are the only two circuits so far this year where we have used the hardest tyre compounds available. They're the only two where we've used the C1 through to C3 tyre compounds. So actually, the tyres going softer, I don't think it does benefit Mercedes. I think it goes the other way, just based on that. Stop, man! Thank you. I only said it for that. <laughs> oh, um, for those in the cheap seats, what would you call Max Verstappen if he was an animal that could lay an egg? <laughs> I, I just don't know, Sam. Max for quacking! Oh, you probably should have... Hang on, say, say it again. Okay. Folks, what would you call Max Verstappen <laughs> if he was an animal that could lay an egg? I, I don't know, Sam. Max for quacking! <laughs> Yay! Bad joke of the recording done. It, it's always better when your joke gets laughed the second time around rather than the first. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's that is how I do comedy. It's how I've done comedy for a long time. <laughs> Repeat. That is the that is the key to comedy. Re- repetition. Yeah. That's how I became friends with you two as well. I just kept <laughs> turning up, and eventually, I wasn't kicked out. I'd love to say that wasn't true, um, <laughs> but here we are. Here we are indeed. Um, Sam, if we're looking at Perez and Bottas, you know, we've, we've focused here on Verstappen and Hamilton who had a very sizable advantage over their teammates last weekend. Do you see that advantage being very similar or do you think the the second drivers uh, cut into that somewhat? I actually think that because we're on the softer compound of tyre this weekend, that um, I think strategists, especially for their front-running drivers, i.e. Verstappen and Hamilton, might be a little more hesitant to dip into a a surprise second stop or take the gamble of a second stop paying off and therefore I think that the two that are slightly further behind Bottas and Perez 
are able to be a little bit more adventurous, are able to be a little bit more risque, and I think that, well, we already saw Perez do it, I think he will have no hesitation in doing it again, and therefore could really make it work this time, as now having a second attempt at it. And I don't see why Bottas would fret to do anything different either. While he not giving a go, take a crack at a two-stop, I actually think the race between the top four will be a lot closer this time around due to tyre compound change than I did last weekend, but it was a more consistent, typical race that we had on the medium set of uh, compound tyres. What do you reckon, Harry? Do you think Bottas and Perez will be close to their teammates? Um, quite possibly, if they're on that, as Sam said, on that faster strategy, because I agree with Sam, I don't think necessarily the top two will... Unless it's super close between them, like it was in Paul Ricard. But you know, if you go on the basis last weekend, there was a bigger gap between Hamilton and Verstappen. So what's the benefit for either of them to go and do a two-stop? Because Hamilton just drops further back and Verstappen, what he's not under pressure why do a two-stop. So yeah, I think, as Sam said, it'll be the, the other two, Perez and Bottas, who might do a two-stop strategy. Which, you know, theoretically might bring them a bit closer if it's the quicker strategy to do. So... Yeah, that could be that could be interesting. It can be an interesting dynamic, especially if it turns out on race day, it's the it's blindingly quick and it's quicker than the one stop. And you know you've got Bottas and Perez closing down on Hamilton and Verstappen. That would be spicy to say the least. So um, yeah, I think that's the likely more likely scenario in a dry race this weekend. I have to say, from last week's race, I was I was fairly disappointed with with both drivers, Bottas and Perez, and how that not only were they soundly beaten, they were absolutely crushed by their teammates last time out. I was particularly disappointed with Perez because if Verstappen has the pace in his car to beat Hamilton by, I know it ended up being thirty something, but he he was probably on course for about a fifteen second win. If he has the pace to do that to Hamilton, then really Perez should, at worst, be challenging Hamilton for second. Really, you know, it, if he's able to show similar pace to Verstappen, then it really should be a one-two. So I, I think Perez has got more to make up here. Of course, it nearly worked out for him, the two-stop strategy, to at least get him to P3. I would hope to see more from both of them. I just think it's fascinating how we've had years and years of Red Bull having to go against what is considered to be the optimum strategy in order to try something different because they've got nothing to lose and they need to make up ground that's the position that Red Bull have been in for a long time and they generally do it quite well um you know that they'll they'll go for something different just to take it to Mercedes and you know in the in the immortal words of Michael Scott how the turns table we've (laughs) now got a situation where it's it's the complete reverse where it's Mercedes that are having to provide a bit of variety. Sam's actually got a, a an office mug, impressively. Um, Big fan. You know, it's <laughs> we're in a position where it's actually Mercedes who need to come up with these strategies that are you know against the grain. So what I think needs to happen, and I don't know based on previous events whether he'll like this or not. I think they have to go in Q two with Bottas and Hamilton on different strategies in the same way they did it with Perez and Verstappen last time out. And you, given the given the circumstance in the championship, you, you have to give priority to Hamilton in terms of which one he would rather. And you say to Bottas, look, you were, you were this far off last weekend. That is a massive deficit. Try something different, you know, give this a go. If it works, you've got a chance. Because what have they got to lose at this point? They can't afford to just go through the motions and have the same result as last time. 
so they might as well try me something different. They know, considering how far Lando Norris was back in fifth place, it doesn't really matter what strategy they go for. If it doesn't end up working, they're going to finish fourth anyway. So you really don't have anything to lose here. Should we have some bold predictions? Let's get bold. Let's get bold. Harry, what have you got for us? What is not going to happen this weekend? Oh, I feel, I feel so bad for George. I just feel bad for anyone who I make a prediction, a positive prediction about, to be honest. Who's the victim um, this week? <laughs> who yeah. am I going to curse this week? Uh, I'm going to curse the two fast drivers because I believe they... I mean, it won't be the first time this has happened, but I believe they will finish in the top uh, 13. Both hash drivers in the top 13. Yeah, it might be the first time at the finish because I think Mick was uh, 13th in Baku, potentially. Um, but yeah, they'll both be. They'll be 12th and 13th at, at the worst. So I'm assuming that this is going to be a lot of DNFs in this race. <laughs> Pure pace, mate. <laughs> Pure pace, yeah. <laughs> wow. That's bold. That is bold. Um, remind me, was your first prediction of the season in Bahrain something to do with a Haas guy scoring points <laughs> close I was close oh dear Funny if well, he off. well we'll see how that goes maybe they'll be running 12th and 13th and then you know Schumacher like will try and overtake on Mazepin into the last corner or something like that and then they'll both crash the dive bomb. you never, the dive you bomb never know where down. they're going to come from Yeah, that's the thing the hash guys, they will try and overtake on one another at some point in the race. You don't know what lap it's going to be. You don't know what corner it's going to be. <laughs> but you can bet your bottom dollar it's going to happen. Which race yeah. do you think is going to happen in the pit lane? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Abu Dhabi underneath the, uh, the track. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. All right. So that's your bold prediction. Two hash drivers in the top 13. Sam, what have you got? I think that... I don't know if it could be as bold as Harry's there. I think that Max Verstappen will finish outside of the top two. Through, you don't necessarily have to stipulate this, but through pace or through an incident? Right, I don't want this as part of my prediction, but I I believe it will be down to this two-stop strategy. I think that, I believe that he will get caught out by a hesitation to change strategy and then get jumped. Um, but I don't want that as part of the bold prediction. So I All think right. he'll be outside the top two. I think I think the more shocking thing here is that there's a there's a strong possibility that Bottas finishes two in uh, in the top two in Sam's prediction. <laughs> he'll go Norris, <laughs> won't he? <laughs> what? Who's going to say the Bottas is in the top two? <laughs> oh, it would be completely against your your turn of nature to uh, to put Bottas outside the top two. Doesn't want to race. Yeah, I think it's pretty bold. You know, he could, I mean, he could get a freak DNF. Yeah, it's happened once in Baku where he was unfortunately hit with that tyre failure. So It's fairly it it, it's fairly thing. bold. It's slightly less bold than, than Harry's based on Harry's not having had done this season so far. Um, but it's fairly bold. I Mine is also related to Max Verstappen, although it goes completely the other way. It's actually about Max Verstappen being very good, which by itself is not a very bold prediction. Um, but this is it. And I, I'm interested to see how bold you think this is. I think Max Verstappen will be on pole. Yeah. That's not the end of it. He's going to be on pole by over half a second. Ooh. That, that is spicy. 
that's yeah, a, gap lasted, what, that's two and a half tenths. It's a big old gap. It was about three tenths last time, wasn't it? I that think. Uh, yeah, I think that is bold. I think that's bold. I would say we're all relatively equal on the boldometer. I missed the boldometer. Um, oh. I mean, there, there'll be people listening who don't even know what the boldometer is, and will never see it because it's a podcast. Sorry, folks. We used to have yeah. a little built paper meter that used to measure if you were bold like Chewbacca, covered in hair, so not bold at all, or bold like Bruce Willis, where you had no hair at all and you were mightily bold. And the in-between were, yeah. <laughs> the were Kevin Malone from The Office and Nick Rosberg with his luscious locks. Yeah, that is the Brit- third Britney office mention already in this podcast. That is not unusual. sponsored, by the way. Yeah. I would happily be sponsored. <laughs> we'll make the calls. Uh, poll one, two, three. What have you got, Harry? Um, I'm going to disagree, disagree with your bold prediction, Ben. I'm going to say it's a Hamilton poll. Uh, it's been pumped up for the weekend, and he'll, he'll do a, a massive Hamilton lap, but he won't be able to hold Verstappen back at the race. Verstappen will win. Hamilton second, and I'll give third place to Checo this time. Sam, what about you? Of course, we know Verstappen is not featuring in the top two. Correct. Uh, I think first place will be Sergio Perez after Max Verstappen got pole. I missed that bit out, sorry. Uh, Max will get pole, Sergio Perez will win the race, Lewis Hamilton will be second, and Max Verstappen will be third. Oh, poor bottles. <laughs> no more bottles, please. Still no bottles at all. I was. I've got Verstappen on pole, obviously, based on my bold prediction. Um. I was tempted to just keep on predicting Valtteri Bottas for the win this season until he ends up winning a race. But even I can't predict him for the win after what I saw last week. It's such a deficit. So um, I'm going to be really boring, actually. I'm going to say the top three is exactly the same as what we had last week. Verstappen first, Hamilton second and Bottas third. Well, that's fun, Ben. But hopefully... Hopefully, it's a more entertaining way of getting there. Yeah, fingers uh, crossed. Uh, We'd love to hear yours as well. My, well, I couldn't. Uh, something went wrong with my laptop then, so I couldn't hear what you said, Ben. But I'm sure it was entertaining and valuable. Oh, uh, it, it wasn't. Basically, same same result as last weekend. Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas. Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, are you, but a are more you entertaining way of getting twice? there. Yeah, sorry, sorry, Ben. It's all right. <laughs> I, don't, I I get paid by the minute. It's fun. Happy to. No, you don't. Zero P a minute. (laughs) Exactly. Getting paid a lot. We'll move on so we can get paid some more. Um, Fernando Alonso has spoken out against the current Q2 rule. That means that obviously anyone who makes it through to Q3 has to start on the same tyre that they qualified on in Q2. Um, So Alonso believes that this actually benefits the leading teams because they have the luxury of not qualifying on the softest compound. We saw this, of course, last time out where the top guys were able to qualify on the medium tyres. So a rule that is supposed to help the show actually only helps up, uh, helps the big teams. So, Harry, should this rule go? I'm not I'm not sure on this one because I know I remember why they brought this rule in because it was we got used to get to Q3 and then oh no was it Q3 yeah we used to get to Q3 or Q2 and then no one would go out it would be oh it would be like the the smaller teams that have got into Q3 had no ties left 
and then they didn't bother going out, so you only have like five cars on track in Q3. So I know why it's brought in, and I can, but I can also see Alonso's point here because um, yeah, it's just helping helping stretch the advantage of the, of the top teams. Um, it's a tricky one. I don't know how. I don't necessarily know how they could make this better because you might get to the same point where we were in back in whenever it was twenty thirteen or something like that. So. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, a part of me thinks they should just have qualifying tyres and then you have free reign on your strategy. But then I also do enjoy that element of uh, that element of quality, watching to see if the top guys can scrape. Because sometimes they scrape through. They don't always make it in easily. And we saw last time Perez didn't uh, didn't even try to use it because his pace wasn't there over one lap. So um, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure not sure what the solution here is here, Fernando. Also, he was very quiet at the start of the season, wasn't he? And slowly but surely, he started his bit of this coming in. Bit of yap. You'll love it. Love yeah. to see it. We are, um, of course, as you are listening and you'll know, we are a day late on this one. So apologies on that. Um, but we, it does mean that we know what um, Fernando Alonso has said today in, in press conferences, saying that he thinks Verstappen's going to beat Hamilton and that he's got the edge on him. He's, he loves it. He's he there. loves it. <laughs> Alonso is there with his wooden spoon from 2005 that he got <laughs> as winning the championship and he is stirring it around. Oh, what what a guy. Do you think this rule should go, Sam? I bet Fernando makes a great paella with that wooden spoon that he knocks up. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, really spicy, because you know what he's like. Um, <laughs> just a sprinkle of two-time world champion there. Anyway, this rule. I part of me loves, for entertainment value, for watching the, the, the race, I think it's a great rule. It does provide different strategy choices. It does mean that teams have to think about their Q2. It does mean that we occasionally get shock exits. If you were to remove this entirely, everyone would be on that soft tyre. Everyone would then drive off on that soft tyre and you go through to Q3 and 90% of the time, you'd end up having the result that is most expected a lot of the time. I mean, how often would Bottas, for example, or... Uh, Hamilton or Verstappen or anyone like that miss out Q3 if they were always on the softest tyre and always could just put their foot down. Um, I can see where he's coming from though in the terms of that it does assist the bigger teams. It means that um, you know they have the ability for tyre wear and whatnot to to be more conserved. What I would like to see is maybe a top five instead of a top ten. Um, so if you qualify inside the top five, then you have to use your Q2 tyre. Because then it really only affects the big boys at the front, you know. Then even the likes of, let's say, Carlos Sainz clocking at P6. Is he an underdog? Can he really come along and win the race on a different strategy? That could be really fun. Um, so I, I love the concept that we have at the moment. I think it does work for the most part. And that strategy element is very interesting. As you said, Harry, it really is a key part of the weekend. But, um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't complain at a shift as long as there was still some interesting rebalancing. I don't want Hamilton and Verstappen starting the race on completely fresh tyres while, let's say, Sebastian Vettel and that Aston Martin has tried desperately to get himself into Q3 and, you know, his only chance of getting a surprise position was maybe a, a tyre wear thing or, um, you know, a, an awkward strategy call being have to change because your tyres are already worn at the start of the race. So... I like what we have, happy to adapt what we have, not sure if there is a better alternative while the cars have got such a, a gap at the top. There's an interesting point you made, made about Seb there. The past, uh, not the past couple, but uh, maybe Monaco and Baku, 
his two really good results there came from having qualified P11, P12, that area, starting on the on the mediums or whatever, and then he had a great great race. So um, it maybe yeah. it, maybe it does spice things up a bit, but it, I think there's definitely arguments on both sides. You imagine that though. Imagine Alonso qualifying sixth or seventh, but having the same fresh tyres as what Vettel hanging eleventh well, instead. Yeah, exactly. So strategic pole will be sixth, which would be could be interesting. Yeah, um, I, first of all, Fernando Alonso, and I, Fernando Alonso knows how to play the game, and he's not the only one in that he is not saying this as the person who is interested in the integrity of Formula One. <laughs> he is saying this because it would very much benefit Alpine if this rule didn't exist. And I don't hold that against Fernando Alonso because I am pretty sure nearly all of the other 19 are exactly the same. Point being, if he was in a Mercedes, he probably wouldn't be saying much about this rule. However, that doesn't mean I disagree with him. In fact, I agree with him completely, and I think this rule should be scrapped. I've never really been a fan of this one. Um, firstly, we we do we do have guys, you know, in the Red Bulls and the Mercedes get through on on the medium tires, and I do think that's unfair. You know, you could say, well, the other team should just be quicker, which is a valid point, but. I also think that it it does, in its current format, give a bit of an unfair advantage. And and ultimately, I know there is the risk that they get knocked out in Q two as a result of as a result of going ahead with these harder tyres. How often does it actually happen? I don't think it really happens all that often. I I seem to remember it might have happened to Gasly a couple of years ago. I'm sure there've been one or two incidents since then, but I don't think realistically it happens enough for it to be a a massive factor for me wanting this rule in place firstly to say that i i personally don't like that 11th place is a strategic advantage over p8 p9 p10 as it quite often is i don't think it's fair for someone to put together a better qualifying lap get through into P10, start on a worse compound and be at a strategic disadvantage to someone who they've out-qualified and is starting P11. I just don't, in the spirit of Formula 1, where qualifying you want to give it absolutely everything, I feel like you should reward those who go fastest. I know it sounds really simplistic, but I think that's how it should be. And so often we do see P11, P12 able to start on fresh tyres, often medium or hard compound tyres, and they're able to do something else, uh, and, and they're at an advantage, and I just don't personally love that. And I think, you know, one of the... Uh, you know, I would give a certain amount of tyres, probably two sets of tyres per session, to ensure that anyone who makes Q3 has two attempts at, at you know, to put their best time together in Q3. Um, so that there's that there's how you solve that issue. And ultimately, you, you might say that, okay, the top 10, apart from the top few starting on medium tyres sometimes, the top 10 generally start on the softest compound, and then 11th through 20th go mediums and hard tyres. And you could argue that, yes, that provides that provides something interesting, it provides something exciting, and it means that if you qualify outside the top 10, it doesn't necessarily mean your race is over. And that's, that's fair enough. But actually, if we found that the top 10... You would, I think you would find if this rule didn't exist, those guys from 11 to, to 20 would try something different anyway. I don't think actually much would change. I still think they would try something different from the guys that are starting ahead of them. You know, if you've got 
Sonoda starting P16 and he sees that the 15 cars ahead of him are all using the same compound, is he going to use the same compound again knowing that that's not going to give him a strategic advantage? He might as well try something different, in which case you don't actually get a different result than what we're seeing now anyway. Um, I, I do think this unfairly benefits the top teams. Uh, and I think it would actually, I, I would just give them complete free choice on, on Sundays to pick whatever tyre they want to go with. Um, but yeah, there we go. Don't care. Interesting. <laughs> don't, doesn't even care, folks. Look at that. He's giving all don't, that don't spiel. Care. He doesn't even care. But we were just talking about, talking about Alonso. I just read a, he a headline that says Alonso is now superstitious about doing track walks. So I love that. I love Makes that he's got maybe like. Um, a blessing to each track coming along, you know, remove these things as I can walk through the track walk, I might see something that will cause me to have a bad race, I love that he's maybe in his trailer like, we must remove the demons I like to think that Fernando Alonso gets out of the pits heads towards turn one of like Suzuka and he's just like mm, no, no, and turns back around, <laughs> it's like I've got I, a good feeling here. about this <laughs> like that's so raven it's like i've got a vision and then he zones back out of it he's like i'm not doing this race do you know what we, we need a like a brit reference klaxon for our non-british audience um that's so raving is american that is, is an american it's program actually. wow you learn well, something every we, day we've covered we've covered two countries there america and the uk ah, everyone else. as, in, as in america case. ticks over to be our majority listener base, by the way. Thank you, America. Yeah. England, step it up. And Canada and <laughs> Australia. Where you at? Um, I've, I've changed my references. It'll be British next week. Okay. No accents, please. Yeah, no accents. Oh, God, no. We, we want people to keep listening. Um... Well, let's move on to our third topic, which is looking at the top 10 power ranking. So uh, this is officially done by Formula One. They release these every race and they also keep a season tally. So we thought it'd be interesting to run through what they have as the top 10 and figure out what we like about what they have and what we don't like about what they have. So just for everyone's reference, this is the top 10 that they have got so far this season. They've got Verstappen first, Lando Norris second, Lewis Hamilton third, Charles Leclerc fourth, Gasly rounds out the top five, Carlos Sainz six, George Russell seven, Sergio Perez eight, Fernando Alonso nine, and then Antonio Giovinazzi in the Alfa Romeo rounds out the top ten. So based on that list, Harry, what do you think they've got pretty much right and what do you disagree with? Uh, I um, As much as I love the guy, the Fernando Alonso one sticks out a bit like a sore thumb because... Yes, he's absolutely coming on strong now. Uh, as we mentioned, he's getting a bit mouthy. He's he's grown into it again, and he's had some good races. But at the start of the season, he was being outpaced by Ocon easily. And I know Ocon's had a duff couple of races since he signed a contract because I think he's fallen asleep or something. But um, yeah, I I don't see how Alonso out out outscores Ocon on that one, to be honest, because. Uh, yeah, even with a good couple of races, and I know on the here it says re-entry, which means Alonso was in the top ten another point in the season as well. So when was that? I don't know. Uh, so yeah, that one that one sticks out. I've got a lot of time for Giovinazzi being in the top ten because he that man's had a great season so far, and no one has recognised it apart from this leaderboard. So thank you for that, uh, uh, Aramaco. Uh, 
Yeah, what was the other one that stuck out for me? He's adding an extra A into the word Aramco there. Oh, yeah, Aramco, sorry. I think you were an A short, actually. It's Aramaramaco. Aramaramadingdang. Sorry, Aramco, for saying your name wrong. Um, What was the other one that stuck out to me? Well, not really stuck out, but, you know... Hamilton Norris, not sure. Uh, Norris has still been pretty damn good this season, and Hamilton's made a couple of mistakes. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe Russell's a bit too high as well. He's been good, but he did have an absolutely humongous accident with George uh, with um, Bottas. So yeah, I maybe have Russell a bit further down. But yeah, out of interest, if you don't think Fernando Alonso belongs where he does, who replaces him in that top ten? Uh, great question. What are the other drivers' names? Well, <laughs> let's let's right have a you, you can have Esteban Ocon. You can have either of the Aston Martins. Neither of those guys are there. That's yeah. See, this is. I guess it's difficult because all of these. So Stroll, Vettel, Ocon, they've all and Alonso. They've all had some really good races, but then also some really poor races. So I guess. That's where it's tricky to judge those guys. Um, if you want to, if you want to judge it on results, I guess you might put Seb in there, maybe, but because he had a podium. But I, I don't know. I think that's a that's a difficult one to to call. And as I said, Ocon's been a bit overlooked there. I think because he's had some. Ocon was driving really well at the start of the season, apart from the past two races. So maybe, maybe, maybe Ocon goes in for Alonso, and that pains me because I am the king of the uh, Fernando Alonso fan club. No more, apparently. No more. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sam, let's start with the positives. What do you like about this list? Uh, I've got big love for Max and Lando being in the top two. I think that is bang on. I think Max and Lando thoroughly deserve to be top two in this list. Um, I've also, as Harry called out big time, love that Giovinazzi is on a top ten list for this because his season has been so underrated. And I have been a big you know, complainer about Giovinazzi in the last couple of years. I really don't think he's earned his place there permanently, but he has come on so strong this season. He has really impressed me with the first eight races, and much more than I ever thought so. Uh, so for me, those are the really big positives. Let's flip your baby and reverse it, as we all know I love to say, and let's look at some, not necessarily negatives, but things I disagree with. Um, I don't think Hamilton should be in the top three. Uh, bagger bing, bagger boom. I would swap. I would actually drop Hamilton. Uh, I'd swap him with Pierre Gasly. I'd put Pierre Gasly in P3. So my top 10 would look as a lot around. Verstappen first, Norris second, Gasly would be third. I then have Leclerc and Sainz joint fourth around the same number ranking. They've got a big difference actually between Leclerc and Sainz on theirs. Folks, I know you can't see it, but there is a 0.6 of a rating difference. I would make that closer. I would then have Hamilton um, in sixth place, I think. Cut and big mistakes have cost him big time, and they're entirely his own mistakes, not brought on by anyone else. So I think Hamilton, as much as he's the only one challenging for that championship, he could have made a lot more out of this. Um, after that, I think Russell deserves to be there. He's done a great job. And then I would put Giovinazzi, then Perez. And after that, I don't care, because you've all been the same. Uh, Alonso has only been good the last three four races. Ocon was good the first three or four races. Vettel has was been intermittent, had that great podium, has started to come on strong, but was naff to start with, had to build his way up. Stroll, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, God, I sound very cockney there, don't I? Um, up and down. Up and down, up and down. 
The house guys, what's the point? Latifi is being <laughs> on and off. Um, am I missing a team? I feel like I'm missing a team. Oh, Raikkonen. Again, what's the point? Uh, apart from that gorgeous outside manoeuvre on the Ferrari actually last week, that, that deserves an extra point five. But apart from that, yeah, no, I'm, I'm all right with it. So I would make more changes probably at the top of the top ten than I would at the bottom myself. My little Yuki. <gasps> Rocket Sonoda? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think he deserves to be in the top ten, got to be honest. Since no. the first race or so, he's been all right. I, f- I mean, no offence to Yuki Sonoda, but I don't think he makes my top 15, to be honest. Um, it hasn't been. Uh, anyway, I, I digress. Um, so, I I collect, I collect, do ratings after every Grand Prix. So, I've actually got my own top 10 here, just based on the... I haven't sat down Freaking and gone, nerd. they should be third, <laughs> they should be fourth. I know. Um, but I've literally just taken my season ratings and, and put them in a top 10 similar. Uh, and really interestingly, not only do I agree with who they've got in the top five, it's actually exactly the same order that I've got my top five as well. So I think Verstappen, Norris, Hamilton, Leclerc, Gasly, in that order, is spot on. I've, I've got it exactly the same. Now, admittedly, for me, there's actually quite a bit of a jump between five and six. I think the top five have separated themselves this season, and I think sixth down is then its next category. And admittedly, I don't think there's a lot between 6th and 13th. I really think it's a really close bracket between all of those drivers. But here's what I've got up to this point, And there's probably going to be a couple of them you don't agree with here, but we'll see. I've got George Russell in 6th place. I've then got Lance Stroll in 7th. I've got Fernando Alonso 8th. Sergio Perez 9th. And then Kimi Raikkonen in 10th. And admittedly, the three drivers that are very, very close are Sebastian Vettel, Carlos Sainz and Antonio Giovinazzi. They are, when I say they are close, they are like one point outside of Raikkonen in 10th. So there really isn't anything to anything here. But that is what I've got my top 10 as. I can't Same believe that. Um, I cannot, literally, arms are above my head. How have you got Sykes that far down? He's only eight points off Leclerc in the bloody table. The man's having a great season for his first time in a Ferrari and regularly been right next to him or out qualifying Leclerc. I think that's I mean, that's a bad call. To, I mean, comfortably in your top ten. Uh, well, actually, I should provide some context here. Qualifying isn't taken into account at all with these ratings. Um and also, as, as good as Carlos Sainz has been, and I, I think he has been, and to be honest, I was surprised that he wasn't in my top 10. Like I say, I just took the numbers as they as I've done them throughout the year. Um, you know, Carlos Sainz, I think his points tally is somewhat inflated by his best result being second at Monaco. Um, whereas Charles Leclerc has had some brilliant performances this season, but has for whatever reason of, of big teams still being in the in the fight for the win. He's claimed a lot of fourth and fifth places. So, um, yeah. Uh, and like I said, I mean, signs could easily have been sixth place for me. It's, it's really nip and tuck between those guys. Something that is really interesting me, and it'd be interesting to those listening as well, where you, what you think about this was on none of our three top tens, there were two names not mentioned, which realistically should definitely be mentioned. One is Valtteri Bottas, and two is Daniel Ricciardo. And not even in debate for being into the top ten have those names appeared. Is that worrying? It's surely going to be a little bit concerning. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't write down the bottom ten, but they, were no, they weren't close. Um, yeah, they weren't in consideration for me. Partic- you know, 
Bottas is in Bottas is in a Mercedes and he is being beaten by Lando Norris in a McLaren. That fact alone should eliminate him from consideration. And da- and Daniel Ricciardo, I you know he's had a few all right races, but realistically, he it's not there with some of the other guys in this top ten. So no, neither of them were in contention for me. Yeah, Harry, what about you? Yeah, I would I would agree. I think if you look at what uh, car Bottas is in, you know, you there's p- potentially an argument to put him worse than than Ricardo, because Ricardo's in the McLaren. But then also you look see, see what Norris is doing in the McLaren and what position we have him in in our in our chart. So um, yeah, but they're they're not they're not in the top ten, not even close. I don't think. Because considering that we've had what eight races. Neither Norris nor Ricardo have had a. Has Norris had a podium this season? Am I being stupid? Norris He's had one. Uh, Imola. Oh. And, well, yeah. Yeah. But considering neither, neither have won, uh, Norris, after eight races, is 52 points clear of his teammate. That is pretty shocking. The only driver that has got a bigger tally than that is uh, Verstappen to Perez and Hamilton to Bottas. So, yeah, not looking too good for those um, secondary drivers. Yeah, I think, but you know, Lando Norris, he probably has to be considered the best talent F1 has got under the age of 25, right? Puts out the fishing rod. Can we get a few bites? You might do. I wasn't saying that seriously. Um, I just I just wanted, you know, a thousand people collectively to all go, what? Uh, and I'm sure I achieved it with that. Hello, is that George Russell? You, you don't like Ben Hocking? Yeah, give it away. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> if you're trying to find someone who likes me you might be on your phone for a while um, and, you... oh, and self-burn I don't, I don't know whether um, you'll like me anymore after what we've got coming up here because it is F1 back and forth let's get this jingle going F1 back and forth it's F1 Back and forth, it goes backwards. Then goes forth, it's F1. Back and forth, F1. Never. It's amazing how out of time I am. (laughs) It makes it all the better, really. Um, I've got got to clear it up for my own pride. Yeah, go on. That was recorded over internet with laggy connection. So I can't <laughs> tell where the title of the music is, by the way. So me hearing it hurts me as much as it hurts you, okay? I, I think I, I just I, I highly doubt that. that. <laughs> all the charm. All part of the charm. Yeah. Yeah. F1 back and forth. Uh, I'm sure many long-time listeners of the podcast already know what's going on here but for the benefit of anyone new so it would be harry versus sam f1 back and forth i have a certain category there are a number of correct answers and they will go back and forth until one of them can't think of an answer or gets one incorrect so um i will let you know what today's category is there are a grand total of 16 correct answers this time 16 that's a good between this reference well, Great British again. Great. Yeah. No, there's an American in between us. <laughs> somewhere. It doesn't work. <laughs> in the uh, in hell or somewhere. Less um, <laughs> yeah, not good. Um anyway, sixteen correct answers to this category. Any driver who has won the Formula One World Championship in their twenties. So anyone 
who has won the Drivers' Championship since 1950, who was in their 20s when they did it. So actually, the 33 champions overall, so it's pretty much dead on half who have won at some point in their 20s. Um, Sam, would you mind going first on this one? I can go first on this one. I'm going to go with Michael Schumacher. Michael Schumacher is the first correct answer of the day. Two of his seven world championships were won when he was in his 20s. Harry? Lewis Hamilton. Very similarly, seven world championships. Very similarly, two of them in his 20s, 23 and 29 years old. Sam? Uh, Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel. No one outside of Vettel has won more than two championships in their 20s. And Vettel has four. He won all of them in his 20s. What a baller. Four-time... I know we say this quite a lot. Four-time champion at the age of 26. Goodness me. Harry. That's literally Sam's age. Yeah. Oh, that's horrible. Don't say that. Well, your birthday's in March. You've still got a few months to win four world championships. (laughs) Um, <laughs> Fernando Alonso two time world champ in his 20s 24 and 25 years old when he won those Sam uh, it's already getting harder this one uh, Nicky Lauda Nicky Lauda's a correct answer two of his three championships were won in his 20s Harry oh I don't know um who looks young (laughs) yeah that's what that's literally what I'm doing who's looking young when they won their championship Uh, was Senna in his 20s when he won his first championship he was he was 28 years old when he won his first championship the only one of his three where he was in his 20s Sam Nelson Piquet now, or just about, very lucky, but just about. Nelson Piquet was 29 years old when he won his first championship. Ooh. So, okay. by the skin of your teeth there. Harry? Um, was Alain Prost in his 20s? Alain Prost was not in his 20s, oh, I'm afraid. It's over quickly. It's over quickly. It is over quickly, I'm afraid. Uh, seven correct answers out of the 16 there. Any more any more guesses from both of you? Of course, Sam, you do have the win. Uh Fittipaldi? Yeah, both of Fittipaldi's championships were won in his twenties, that's a correct answer. Was Kimmy in his twenties still? He was, he was twenty eight. Oh, bloody hell. Twenty eight when he won in two thousand seven. Um James Hunt? James Hunt again by the skin of your teeth, Sam, twenty nine years old. We're getting lucky here. How old was 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 the least deserving world champion? He was twenty. <laughs> I already know who you're talking about. He was twenty six <laughs> years old. Uh, oh, that's annoying. Even you must now apologise to our him. Canadian audience. He is talking about Jacques Villeneuve. I'm afraid. Um. Oh. Oh. Jackson Button. Uh, you. You clearly have a skill of knowing how how old 29 you know you know exactly how old people are <laughs> Jensen Button was 29 years old when 29. he won 29 JB strikes me as being about 40 when he won his championship uh, yeah right it felt like he'd been driving since I was Forever. minus 20 years old that's not a thing well I mean he started when he was was he 20 when he started sure, he was so, very yeah. young 
he was quite young um, um oh, have you got any more not that i think are correct i would probably go with uh, uh no i was gonna say yoka rink but i think he was over 30 quite comfortably uh no he was 28 years old um when oh, he not well, a 29 year old yeah he was 28 years old um the other no, that's it. i'm done yeah just three more that we've got after that so jody Schechter won it in 1979 he was 29 years old when he won it so i was surprised he didn't get that one sam um yeah so am i uh, Mike Hawthorne, another 29-year-old to win. He was the first guy in his 20s to win the championship because the likes of Fangio were all like in their 90s when they won. Um, <laughs> and finally, the last one, Jim Clark. Both of his championship wins were in his 20s. He was 27 and 29 when he won those. Um, but, God, well, that man's a talent. Yeah, so that is the list of 16. Be very interested to hear how you all got on at home. Did you get more than Harry? It probably wasn't very difficult, so... I hate you. <laughs> this, this is already oh. established. This isn't news. <laughs> yeah. In fairness, someone, for, for someone in the um, the form that we're sending out the survey did say what one of the questions is: What would you like to see more of the podcast? And it was be more mean to Harry. So we are trying to ramp that up for you. Yeah. In fairness, Alan Pross, I I didn't write it down, but I think he might have been thirty or thirty-one when he won his first title. Oh. So it was it was fairly it was fairly unlucky. I'm just gonna go and you know, cry in the corner and edit this podcast. It's fine. Don't don't worry about me, everyone. Wow. Only crying your twenties. I'm sure this will make you feel better. A bit more of Sam's out of tune singing. Everyone together now. F1. Back and forth. It's F1. F1. Back and forth. It goes backwards. Then goes forth, I don't know how you made that more disorientating, but you somehow managed it. It's because in my ears, I'm in time again. Oh, this is dizzying as the C4, C5, C1, C2. Oh, we're not going back onto that. (laughs) We are not going back onto that. Sorry, everyone. Remind me never to trust you with the namings of tyres, Sam. Um, Just call them soft, medium, or hard, and super soft and hyper soft. I'll remember it. <laughs> we used to. Well, exactly. Yeah. Good old hyper soft tyres that lasted there. half a lap. Keep the pink ones. I like the pink ones. <laughs> anyway, I think that'll do it for the preview podcast. Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here. Folks, please uh, hang together for a good race this weekend. I'm sure Fernando Alonso is currently blessing the racetrack with his superstitions to bring us something magical, as the two-time world champ always does. Um, Join us after the race on Sunday, of course. We will be back, full podcasting action for the race review. And if you haven't, last couple of days, get over to the the form. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. Do you want to see guests? That's a question on there. It's always interesting. Tell us what we could do better, because... Trust me, it can get a lot better, I'm sure. Um, in the meantime, I have been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been a C5 tyre. And remember, keep <laughs> breaking late. Something. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.